Welcome to the podcast. This is the St. Patrick's Podcast on the Seven Sacraments. Our session today, our podcast today, will be on the Sacrament of Baptism. I'm Father Eric Kayas, the pastor of St. Patrick's Parish in Scottsdale. And I'm Kevin McGloin, the Director of Liturgy and Youth Ministry here at St. Patrick's. So we want to talk about the Sacrament of Baptism. For us as Catholics, a lot of times, once we have our children, we're probably interested in going to the parish and asking how and why our child should be baptized. Here's what our Catholic faith as Christians teach about baptism, that it is the entrance into the body of Christ. Here at St. Patrick's and some other parishes as well, you have the baptistry at the entrance of the sanctuary. It's the welcoming into the body of Christ because we are the body of Christ. So baptism is really the first step in accepting the gift, the free gift of God and salvation. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, Go, therefore, and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For us as Catholics then, and Christians as well, baptism is the first step. We're already related to people who are baptized in other Christian families. So they don't have to be rebaptized if they want to be in full communion with the church. So those in the initiation process, or we might call the rite of Christian initiation of adults or RCIA, is that they enter into it not having to be rebaptized if they've already have been. Now, for the sacraments of confirmation and Eucharist, that completes initiation. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful rite that people come and become full members of our Christian community. You know, Father Eric, once a person, this is really neat, once a person is baptized, they become a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Now, for Catholics, this sacrament, the sacrament of baptism, is not a mere formality. It is the very mark of a Christian. What the sacrament of baptism does, it brings us into new life in Jesus Christ. And we've all experienced the sacrament of of baptism, either at mass or maybe a private baptism, is what goes on during that rite of baptism. First thing is we reject sin. The second thing is we renounce those beliefs, those values, and those choices. This is important now that are opposed to Jesus Christ. But what we also do during the rite is that we reject those sinful attitudes that degrade the dignity of others. For example, like racism, Mm -hmm. sexism, and practices that prevent other members of our human family from living in dignity. So Father Eric, in a sense, what baptism calls us to do is to reject death, Mm -hmm. but it also at the same time, and this is what's really great about it, it calls us to embrace life and dignity for all. And you know what I like to always say, Kevin, is that it's like uh, you don't. It's not like the flu shot. You get it once and you forget about it. So what you're really saying is that it's a lifelong commitment and journey in the process. Exactly. You're living it out. So part of that then is if you look at the rite itself, the essentials of the baptism rite itself, what you do, you've got a couple of things that can go on here. There's the pouring of water over the head of the person to mm-hmm. be baptized. Or sometimes like what you've done is during the Easter vigil is you get into the baptismal font. There goes all the water. Yeah, just, go just, right in there. Just kidding, just <laughs> kidding. But when you baptize that person, you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A musician told me a number of years ago when I was barely ordained a priest, I said, well, we're going to do submersion. And he goes, submersion's for submarines, uh, immersion's for people. So I kind of got a little lesson there. Straighten you out there, huh? So, you know, the question you might want to ask is, well, who can administer or 
uh, one leading this sacrament, giving offering that to Good the question. church? Well, the church could be a bishop, of course, or a priest, or what we would call a deacon. Now, deacon are men that can either be permanent deacons. These are men who could be married and have children and families who have been ordained to permanently be a deacon, or transitory deacon, those who are preparing for priesthood as one of the final steps before being ordained a priest. And they can baptize. Now, their word deacon comes from the word service, to be at service of others. So they can witness at weddings, they can do baptisms, blessings of items and homes, preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel, among other things of service in the community. But under emergency conditions there... Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because I've heard this before. Like, for example, maybe someone's dying in a hospital, uh-huh. a, a, a bishop, a priest or a deacon can't get there. What, what happens there? Well, that's a good question, Kevin. You know, the t- church teaches anyone can do that, any person. And even if they're not Christian, but want to help people in that process, if they're the only people available there. And all that's really asked then is that you pour water on the person, whether it's an infant or an adult, and use these words, if they can remember, if at all possible, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, saying that you baptize them in that name. So, um, it, and it does count, and that's very important for the baptism there. Now, in the church today, the most common thing is that we here as Catholics do infant baptism. That comes from the scriptures, where even um, the, in the Acts of the Apostles, where whole households were baptized into it, like the house of Cornelius there. When you, when you see that in the Acts of the Apostles, not only were the men, and, but the women and the children and infants and the slaves were all part of that. So there is evidence of that. But part also, Kevin, is that you begin to share faith in living it. It isn't just a head trip to say, you have to understand everything first. No, it's the journey of the heart that begins. That's what we do with children. We teach them right away love and things that we do, and faith is that same way. But you know what? i, I got to tell you, Father Eric, there are some Christian denominations that do oppose, they object to infant baptism, mm-hmm. believing that baptism, kind of what we talked a little bit about, you just talked about a second ago, requires an ascent on the part of the person being baptized. But mm-hmm. if you look at it, you know, there's other denominations, like, for example, Eastern Orthodox, mm-hmm. um, Anglicans, Lutherans, and other mainline Protestants, they also practice infant baptism. Mm-hmm. And there is evidence that infant baptism was practiced from the earliest days of the church. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Now, let's talk a little bit about adult converts uh, for a second to Catholicism that go through RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults, and many of them um, come in during the Easter Vigil. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Now, adult converts to Catholicism also receive the sacrament of baptism unless they've received a Christian baptism before. Mm -hmm. That's correct. For example, if they're baptized Lutheran, we recognize, we as Catholics recognize that baptism, because it's the Trinitarian formula, mm-hmm. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's right. We're already related by baptism. Exactly. We're, we're cousins. But if there's any doubt about whether an adult has already been baptized, then the priest will perform what's called a conditional baptism. A person can only be baptized once as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Say if she was baptized, like I said, a Lutheran or a Presbyterian, they cannot be rebaptized when they convert to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. But while an adult can be baptized after proper instruction in the Catholic faith, adult baptism normally occurs, as what we just talked about a few minutes ago, as part of the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults, or RCIA. 
And now that, what happens then is that adult person is baptized on the Easter vigil, you know, the night before uh, Easter Sunday. They also receive confirmation and communion. So they have been, they receive the sacraments of initiation, Father Eric, and then they're fully initiated into the That's Roman right. Catholic Church. Eucharist completes initiation, as we're always taught. You know, Kevin, there's two effects of baptism that we probably need to look at that are important. The first one, and it can be a little hard to understand, is the forgiveness of sins. Now, what little baby has done any sin that they need to be forgiven I know. People for? have that problem with that all the time. Yeah. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Well, you know, the concept of what we've used is called original sin. Now, for a long period of time, there was a thought, and it was only a theological speculation, Kevin. It was never church doctrine, but many people brought into the idea of a place of limbo, that for uh, for a terrible reason, if a little baby or child were to die, that they w- wouldn't go to heaven, but they'd go to kind of a side place. And that kind of brought a lot of people with fear and, and approaching the sacrament. And yet the church and its documents teach that we will that child to be with the Lord, because that's the kind of God we have. Original sin could really just mostly be born into a world that is very selfish. And that's what Paul talks about, St. Paul in the scriptures, that we become a new creation. No longer do we only think of ourselves and have selfish tendencies that happen, but we are created anew. In other words, we do an about face in our life. So the forgiveness of sin just means we're born into a sinful world. It's still good because God created good, but we make choices. And so being that new creation, that's where the forgiveness of sin is. So that can be kind of hard thinking that sin is kind of like, eh, you know, that's something that, that you kind of inherit with. You know, um, one example that I like to use, Kevin, if you can just give me a few moments in there. When I was a, a young boy in Baghdad, Arizona, we, we had a football team and I was on there. And our, our tribals were the Wickenburg Wranglers. They, they were, were right tough, there. I heard. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. They were right down the road. And for 25 years, Baghdad could never beat Wickenburg. And so the people in the town, we'd always say, well, when are you going to beat Wickenburg? You know, you guys, you're the one. And I'm thinking, like, I didn't do anything. I didn't play for it. You know, that year, we eventually upset them, and we beat Wickenburg for the first time in 25 years. But what it was was that people put on all of us, I didn't play, I didn't cause us to lose, but it became part of you. And I think original sin is much like that, that we didn't sin, but you inherit that. You're part of that human family that struggles with sin. So I kind of use that as a good example of a sports analogy to say, yeah, that's kind of how original sin is. The second part, Kevin, that we want to look at, it's another effect then of baptism, is the reception of the Holy Spirit. What a great gift that's freely given. It's the life, the spirit of life that comes with us. I think baptism can also teach us, Kevin, how not to be afraid. That many times people are so worried about sinning at every moment and sin is in every corner and all. But we have the Holy Spirit to be our advocate. I always worry about people going into like hospitals and nursing homes in the medical field. Who's their advocate? Who helps them through the process? And whenever they're gifted to have people who know the way, who can offer comfort, that's a great comfort. And I think the Holy Spirit's the same way in our life, that in those moments when you and I have to make difficult decisions, that's a gift that's freely given. And you know, there's no such thing, and this is my thought, as an ex-Catholic. 
because it's impossible. You either live it or you don't, yes. And you can even walk away and deny it and say, I don't want to be a Catholic anymore. But it's not wiped away. This is permanent. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, God just doesn't go and say, well, I got to take it back until you earn it again. It's a free gift. Now, are people free not to be part of the community? Yeah, but that doesn't mean they stop being Catholic. So personally, I don't like using the term ex-Catholic. You know, they're just away from the sacraments. But at any moment, they can come right back into it. And that's the beauty of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Kevin. At baptism, we embrace kind of a unique vision and a new set of values when we're baptized. Exactly, Kevin. Those of the Christian community, um, those values, we also, um, those values that prioritize our love for God, for self and others, and all of creation. So then what happens is that our baptism is, is the rest of the community also joins in the profession of faith, illustrating that the community is linked together. If you think about it, we're linked together through generations, generations of, of the church, generations of people living out their Catholic faith through space and time. You know, what's really strange, Kevin, is that when we do baptisms at our mass here, the liturgies at St. Patrick's, we have these beautiful babies there and they're all dressed in white. And you know, the, one of the very first things our community does here, the priest, deacon, and... I know that answer. What's that? Sign of the cross. Exactly right, Kevin. And we place it on these child there. And you know what the thing, the cross isn't just a pretty thing you wear around your neck or put in your house. It is a dangerous way of life. See, baptisms and baptistries really aren't meant to be beautiful. They're scary because there's a dying process in that. We call it kind of like the Paschal mystery. And what does that mean? Well, everything to do with Jesus' life, suffering, death, and resurrection. And that's what the scriptures remind us, that that's what we're incorporated to, that there is a dying process, just like we die to sin. But we also have to die to other things, say no to other things in order to say yes to Christ. And so that's the role of our baptism here then, is that we're incorporated to Christ. We are made participants. As we share in his death, St. Paul says, we will also share in his resurrection. Like I always say, and the answer to anything you ask in Christianity is the answer is always dying and rising. You're never wrong if you say those two things because that's the mystery of Christianity, dying and rising. Um, you know, when we do the immersions there, especially at uh, the Easter time, Kevin, I, I like to have people come in and then I hold them down because you hold them down three times when they're their uh, face and head is underneath the water there. And you kind of want to do that on purpose because when they come back up breathing water, what do they want more than anything else? <gasps> air, air. And you do that because really the Christian has to want Christ more than anything else because we Good are point. not alive. And so when you breathe that, and we do that three times, and it could be the honor of the three is a very important number, especially for the Trinity and, and following. And then we seal them with the whole the oil of the chrism that means that you are sealed that you share in Jesus ministry here what of being prophet king and priest we are all priestly people kevin and what that means then another word for priest is what mediator or maybe a bridge for example but the mediator means we stand before the lord praying on behalf and caring for everyone on the face of the earth we're prophets because we live and and proclaim god's word and the third thing we are kingly people and this is the hardest thing for Christians to understand, that the kingdom of God, his way of being, not ours, not human wisdom, but God's ways take first. And that's always the biggest challenge. But thank God we have the Holy Spirit and the sealing of this oil here that can help us make good decisions between what is not wise and what is wise in Christ. When you're baptized, when we're baptized, we've got some responsibilities. 
And, you know, that's not easy at time. When we're baptized, we're called to imitate Jesus's example and strive in thought, word, and action to live his love in the world. You know, this means, as baptized Catholics, as baptized Christians, that means that we're working to heal the wounds of sin. It means we're going to strive to live out the Beatitudes, that we're practicing the twofold commandment of love of God and neighbor and imitating the lives of the saints. Now, when we're incorporated into Christ, when we're incorporated into the community, into the people of God, the church, this means, in a sense, Father Eric, that we're agreeing to take part in and to self-identify with the mission to become disciples in the world. As St. John Paul II wrote, because of the one dignity flowing from baptism, every baptized person shares a responsibility for the church's mission. That means that the baptized must work as disciples of Christ for caring for the sick, the oppressed, the handicapped, and, and we also have to care for sinners. We have to reach out to sinners too and That's show right. them with the light of Christ. And we are called to carry out this work not only in our local community, our local parish, in our neighborhoods and our families, but we're also called to carry that out into the global community, which we also are members of, which we also have a responsibility then in this way, we can extend to all the love, the mercy, the compassion of God that we ourselves have come to know by living in the Catholic community. You know, Kevin, let me ask you a question here and ask uh, our listeners as well. Is there any area in your life that God isn't allowed in? His wisdom, his thoughts, anything. Is there one area that said, well, God really isn't in charge of that area or God has no say in that particular area of my life? You know, that's a dangerous thing for Christians to really think. And so we can see his baptism as taking us away from the world. And all we're waiting for is for that day when we all go to heaven. I think the thing that Jesus reminds us that we're supposed to go into the world and transform that. That's what it's about. Always love when you talked about and teaching of the liturgy from your book and the teachings that you've done here. The word mass, misa, means what? To be sent. To be sent. Yeah, exactly. To be in the world. So here's the real challenge for, for Christians here. Does your faith and your baptism have anything to do with the economy, with our political views and ideologies, with how we see the world, with our safety, with the things that are very real issues in our life? And many Christians sometimes say, our faith should have nothing to do in these particular areas. Why? Either Lord is the Lord of all your life or not. And if you want to put him in a compartment, that's why sometimes many Christians just say, it only works on Sunday or when it's practical. None of this stuff in following Jesus is practical or easy. But yet that's the call. And that's why we have that. And so we are reminded in our faith and many, many writings from scriptures and also in our documents in the church here that we have to go and transform the world. And, you know, Kevin, it is messy. It is chaotic. The word mercy and offering God's mercy means the willingness to enter into another's chaos. Some lives are very chaotic and very hard, and they don't want to hear what God wants. And there has to be a willingness in baptism to transform one's heart. So, yeah, baptism just doesn't stay in the church building. It has to be lived out daily. It's hard, but yet we have everything we need in our baptism. And so, in a sense, what the Catholic Church does is it calls the baptized to contribute 
this is a pretty big word here, Father Eric, to the sanctification of the Whoa. word. Well, I know. Do you know how to spell that? Uh, n- no, <laughs> I don't. Sorry. I didn't think so. I, you didn't do very well at Moon Valley High School. No, did I did you? not. Okay, I didn't think so. So uh, the sanctification of the world, being present and active in the world, is a theological reality. So this reality is what leads us to work, to protect life, all life, and the dignity of all people, and to care for God's creation here on earth. Now, as Pope Benedict once said, the world is not something indifferent. It's not raw materials to be simply utilized as we see fit. Instead, we see it as God's creation. So what happens then is our baptism helps us to see, Father Eric, that we have a profound relationship between our work here on earth and our future with Jesus Christ. Now, after being baptized, this is pretty cool now. After being baptized, we acknowledge or receive a white garment to signify that we have risen with Christ Mm -hmm. and that we're clothing ourselves. Basically, what we're doing is we're putting on Jesus Christ. We're clothing ourselves. It's a uniform. Really is, isn't it? Exactly. And wouldn't we treat each other differently if we recognized Christ and each other by that uniform? No kidding. Exactly. I think things would be a lot different in the world. Hopefully, we would hope that. But then also the other thing that we do at the, at, in, in the rite of baptism is that we receive a lighted candle. And so basically this symbolizes that we are a new creation, mm-hmm. we are enlightened by Christ, and we are called to go out yeah. and shatter the darkness of sin with the light of Christ that we have received through the sacrament of baptism. You know, Kevin, I think one of the things I always kind of struggle with there in trying to get this message to Christians, especially our Catholic brethren out there as well, um, is that where else do you hear eternal life proclaimed? Uh, Not too many places. You know what? Everything we do, every time we have uh, the Eucharist here, every time we pray, we pray about living with God forever and the hope that when we've lost people, who have died and risen with the Lord and gone home to be with him, that we're still connected with them. And, you know, that's what makes the beauty of our baptism is about. Because the word Paschal, when we have that big candle that you talked about, that we receive a candle, it comes from that real tall candle that people see near the baptistry. And that's called the Paschal candle. In Hebrew, Paschal means Passover. And Christians believe that Jesus Christ passed over from death to life. So when we're baptized, we share in Jesus' death and resurrection. And so I'm always kind of dumbfounded, I guess, is the word I could use. Emphasis on dumb, I suppose, Kevin, right? Never, never. I would (laughs) never say that. What is it that people don't want to hear eternal life until maybe the last moment? And that's something that can be experienced now, not at your deathbed or when you die and you're gone the next. And that's really the challenge of Christianity. The, hev- the heaven, the kingdom of God, is here and now. It's not a place. It's a way of life. It's a mindset. And so, Kevin, that's really, in a nutshell, what baptism really does. So anything else you want to say, Kevin, before we wrap up here on no. this? This was great. I really enjoyed this. Thanks, Father Eric. You know, I just think that one thing we need just to remind ourselves and for, for those who are listening to our podcast today is that we are called to carry that light into the dark world and to extend that light to others, that the gifts that we have been given at baptism, as Pope Benedict Sixteenth writes, mm-hmm. are for building up the body of Christ and for a greater witness to the gospel in the world. Good. And we hope people want this sacrament for their children, for themselves. And here at this parish, and I'm sure other parishes out there, would be willing to welcome you and walk the process with you because baptism is meant for all. And we take people where they're at and we walk them on the journey. Thanks, Kevin.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. We want you to know that there are also other podcasts available, whether on our parish website or available on Podbean.